This is Howard Anderson, Managing Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today we're talking with Khalid Kark, Vice President at Forrester Research, a Cambridge, Massachusetts-based research company. Mr. Kark recently produced an in-depth report on healthcare information security. Thanks so much for joining us today, Khalid. In your recent report, you talked about how healthcare should apply five proven principles for information security. So we're going to go over each of those one at a time here today. The the first cardinal rule you listed is take a risk-based approach and look beyond regulatory compliance. Please elaborate on that a little. Sure. So um, over the years, I think uh, a few years back, um, a lot of organizations, when they got hit with um, with regulations such as SOX and then later on PCI and so on, uh, what happened was that a lot of um, organizations went after complying to those regulations. So I got to comply to SOX, and here are the specific check boxes that I need to check in order to comply, and I'm going to just focus in on that. And what that led to was, well, people did one regulation, and guess what? A year later, another regulation came along. And they went through that same exercise, and then another regulation came along, and so on and so forth. And so um, a lot of people actually uh, recently have taken, started to uh, take a step back from all that and say, this is not really a, a good way of doing it over and over again, where you're repeating a lot of this stuff um, in exercise in terms of um, understanding and addressing security controls. So what you need to do is create a broader risk framework. And the risk framework shouldn't necessarily be based on all the regulations that you need to comply to, but also should take into account some of the specific uh, corporate requirements that you may have. So for example, a pharmaceutical company will have a lot of intellectual property and yes, yes, you need to protect credit cards. Yes, you need to protect financial systems such as, such as required by SOX. But at the end of the day, there's a lot more at stake if some of the intellectual property that the financial services organization has um, gets disclosed or breached and so on. So the risk framework in our, in, in our view needs to be uh, spread across the organization. And yes, uh, compliance uh, to regulations should be a great side benefit of it, but compliance uh, to regulations shouldn't really drive your security program. What we found in the past is a lot of organizations where compliance really drove all of what you did in security, but I think you have to look broader than that. You have to think broader than that, and as new healthcare regulations come along, um, I think it'd be useful to have that um, that learning that we've had in different industries uh, or different uh, regulations such as SOX and PCI and so on and use it in, in healthcare, uh, which is that you don't run after the regulation, but you, you create a broader framework, you map multiple regulations to that framework, and then have um, the, the compliance to those, those regulations as a great side benefit of doing it effectively and, and from a risk perspective. Okay, the second rule you mentioned was follow the data through its entire life cycle. Tell us briefly what that means. This is um, a notion that we're starting to see in terms of um, especially uh, industries that are that have sensitive data. Um, in the past, security was has been um, traditionally focused on infrastructure security. So you, you put in a firewall, uh, you, you ensure that your network is secure, and you've got the IPS, the intrusion prevention system, the IDS, intrusion detection, and so on. And, and a lot of the focus is on, well, the pipe that carries my data needs to be secured. Now, what ha- what is happening is, 
Um, you don't have a perimeter anymore in your in your uh, environment. Uh, there, I mean, you've got employees and and you've got people that work and access your your environment from different parts of the globe. Uh, there are di- different business partners that you share information with, um, and there are other third parties and outsourcers that you share sensitive information with. Now, if one of those avenues uh, is able to disclose some of that information, um, you're basically, uh, that's basically it. And so, so what you need is a lot of times you may not really have control over the infrastructure. Let's say if you've got a third party that processes your billing information. Now, uh, billing information may contain a lot of sensitive information. Now, what happens is you don't have control over the infrastructure of the billing company. Uh, all you can do is put a contractual requirement and say, yeah, you got to secure that information. But uh, more importantly, I think we need to put the, the security on the data, not necessarily on the, um, on, on the infrastructure. And yes, infrastructure security is necessary and, and useful, but to me, it's much more important to ensure and figure out uh, the data level security because at the end of the day, that's where your crown jewels are. You may be able to protect um, the network and the, and the perimeter, but there are a lot of avenues um, outside of those uh, those two domains where your inf- sensitive information may be uh, residing outside of your organization and you need to be able to control and protect that information. So you need to set parameters and rules around what kinds of information goes out from your organization and how uh, protected is it? I mean, you can have the best security that you, you, you can get, uh, but then when the, once the information leaves your, your organization, you have no control over it. And that's the whole notion we're trying to fight here. And there is no absolute solution here, but there are um, things that you can do to actually uh, add elements of, uh, of security to the data uh, and put requirements um, on, on protecting the actual data as opposed to just relying on infrastructure to protect it. The third role you mentioned is equip yourself with the ability to monitor and respond to security incidents. What specific steps should healthcare organizations take? And that's an interesting one. I think in general, um, the security industry struggles with that. And, and more specifically, healthcare companies aren't really equipped to handle security breaches. Now, uh, there's a very good analogy that I usually make, which is um, the the healthcare companies actually have a lot more at stake. Um, they have a lot more at stake because healthcare information, once it gets disclosed, uh, cannot be replaced. You can always replace a credit card. You can always repra- uh, replace your, your your bank accounts and so on. Um, and, and for healthcare companies, uh, it's almost impossible to to replace that. Now. What, what happens is it, it becomes uh, a lot of, in the past, we focused on financial transactions quite a bit in terms of kind of protecting our data. Uh, we haven't really focused too much in terms of regulations and so on on healthcare data. And so it becomes very important, and, and I'll, I see a lot of healthcare organizations struggling with this because they haven't really uh, considered this to be an important area, is to, uh, to be able to respond to incidents appropriately. Um, I mean, the, the, the amount and the frequency and the targetedness of the attacks we all know about, and that's been increasing over the years, but um, I think a lot of the um, a lot of the impact of particular security incidents can be reduced if you've got a robust incident management program in place. So 
a lot of organizations have suffered because they had a breach and they had no clue what to do with it, and they spent um, twice or thrice or sometimes four times as much uh, in terms of responding to a breach because they didn't have anything pre-planned. Also, there may be PR disasters, uh, public relations disasters, if you don't have the right people involved in coordinating a lot of these efforts. So investing in incident management is essential, especially with some of the new healthcare requirements that are coming al uh, along to be able to respond and, and, and react to security breaches. I was reading a report somewhere where it said um, that the, the, the amount of healthcare breaches have doubled in the last year. So, so I think the more and more people realizing that that's important information that they could go after, and there aren't any significant defenses there yet, um, I think it's going to be hugely important for healthcare companies to be able to build that capability in-house. I know a lot of times um, they, they struggle with making the case because you're basically uh, creating a, um, uh, a capability and you don't know when you're going to have a breach, but when you do, it saves you a lot of time, effort, money, and hassle uh, at the end of the day to be able to, uh, to, to have that capability in place. The fourth principle you mentioned is focus on third parties and business associates. This is particularly important in light of the High Tech Act's breach notification provisions. Isn't, isn't that correct? Yep, absolutely. And, and to me, there are two fundamental kind of changes from the past that the High Tech brings in, one of them being third-party security. Um, I mean, in the past, yes, we were kind of weak in, in terms of our security, and over the years we've gotten stronger, but third-party security is something that many, many companies, even in more mature industries, such as financial services, struggle with. Uh, healthcare is, is absolutely, I think this is going to be one of the key and fundamental issues that you need to address in order to uh, to, to be anywhere close to where you want to be in terms of security because that to me is the biggest hole in a lot of organizations is to be able to deal with healthcare uh, with, uh, uh, with, with third-party security. Now, it becomes absolutely kind of the, the magnitude becomes a lot larger in healthcare. Uh, so, for example, I was talking to a healthcare provider that managed uh, several hundred, hundred hospitals uh, across the U.S., and the chief security officer there was saying that for each one of the hospitals, we've got about uh, 200 third parties that we share some sensitive information with for almost each one of the hospitals. Now, if you multiply hundreds of hospitals, each hospital having 200 or so different third parties and so on that they share information with, trying to sift through that to figure out which one is really sensitive information uh, and then how we need to protect that, how we need to ensure contractual obligations, how we need to ensure SLAs, what kind of protections do each one of those have, because High Tech Act puts the onus on you as a healthcare provider to say, you should do your due diligence before you select the third parties and so on. Um, and that, that's, that's an interesting bar to set, because in the past, a lot of companies relied on the fact that, well, they a service provider of, of some sort, and they should have adequate security just because in their business, they're in the business of doing it, you cannot rely on that anymore, especially with the High-Tech Act. And so you have to do your due diligence, and it becomes a very, very complicated issue for healthcare companies. Now, what you can do is there are tools and technologies out there that aggregate a lot of the uh, the data from your third parties and, and, and analyze that, and you can you can uh, find out the, the the critical areas that you need to focus in on.
but it is a huge undertaking, and to me, it's one of the two things that are going to impact the, uh, the the healthcare industry in general. There's going to be a lot of effort put into this. The other one being uh, response to breach. I think that's going to be again a huge one uh, to deal with as well. And these two are, would require a fundamentally different way of of securing healthcare organizations from from the, from the past. Okay, your final principle was be prepared to respond to the changing technology and threat landscape. What's the best yeah. way to stay well prepared? So, um, two things here. I think not only, I mean, obviously we're, we've been, we've been responding to changes in technology for a long time. Um, and, and, and the technology doesn't stay still. But not only are we facing that with, um, the, uh, with virtualization and, and cloud computing and so on and so forth, but there's also a fundamental shift in uh, the user behavior that we need to be aware of. And I, I was talking to a healthcare company recently, and what they were struggling with was a lot of people in their environment wanted to access social media websites, right? So Facebook and, uh, and LinkedIn and so on and so forth. Um, and those could be really beneficial tools in certain contexts, but um, the CISO or the security people uh, there were in general very hesitant to allow that because obviously that introduces a whole new level of, uh, of risks. And we have seen a definitely an increase in social media attacks um, and so on. Um, and so it becomes really hard to kind of uh, figure out what are you going to allow and what you're not going to allow, what is the risk appetite, what is a useful technology to have in, in certain contexts, what is not. I would recommend really thinking through it and creating a policy that enables the business but also manages the risk simultaneously. I think a few years from now, we'll be in a situation where we will be forced to deal with these things in our environment. Right now, we're not, but I think we still need to somehow give the business the flexibility. A lot of times, the marketing departments, for example, need access to social media websites to, to do their job. Um, others may need it for, for other um, kind of uh, collaboration or networking and so on. So we need to be really careful in, uh, in allowing what the business needs, but also managing the risks around it. Um, and I think you could start off with a, with, with a high-level policy and awareness around these things, and then uh, kind of gradually add the controls necessary and, and build the architecture, security architectures necessary to be able to prevent and protect against those threats. Um, and the third element of technology, which many of us um, tend not to think too much about, is the, the targetedness and the specificity of the attacks um, have increased tremendously. I was talking to a, a healthcare company um, that actually had to um, double their staff that was, that was just looking at the external threat. So uh, they, they had to increase their staff to four people um, just monitoring and managing kind of the external threat paradigm. I mean, obviously, you could use some of the third parties and intelligence services being provided, uh, but in general, I think that's a huge area uh, that may, uh, may, be, uh, may, may need looking into uh, from that perspective. But those three things, changes in technology, changes in uh, user behavior, and changes in external threat landscape uh, definitely point to a lot of changes. And so you've got to be aware of the, uh, the, the changes and be, be somewhat um, prepared to respond to some of those changes as well. Okay, thank you very much. We've been talking today with Khalid Kark of Forrester Research. This is Howard Anderson of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.